John chapter number 4, verse number 30. It says, They went out into the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And the disciples in their helpful language said, where you, got, uh, where you got Slim Jims at, Lord? <laughs> Where'd you get meat at? Look at verse number uh, 33. And therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not to ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look into the, harv- or look into the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap there whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you were entered in into their labors. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the, the manly family. Lord, thank you, Lord, for what they're doing in Albania. And Lord, thank you, Lord, for letting us be a part of it, Lord. And I'm just grateful, Lord, to be a Christian, to be saved by the grace of God. Lord, to have my heart burdened for souls and have my heart burdened for people. Lord, you are the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Lord, you loved me when I was unlovable. Lord, you saved me when nobody else could. And Lord, that ought to be so big in my heart and my life, Lord, that I can't help but to tell people about it. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that when somebody called needing help, they had the answer. Thank you, Lord, for the one that passed out the gospel track this week. And Lord, they were excited about it. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the growth. Help us, Lord, tonight from your word, and God will give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen. I was reading this, and uh, came to, a thought came across my mind, and uh, you may have been in one of these programs, you may have heard of one of these programs, but there's multiple uh, soul-winning programs, uh, instructional programs, teaching programs. There's, there's so many of them. Jack Hiles had Let's Go Soul Winning. Uh, there's Operation Go, and there's, there's like eight other ones. And I remember sitting in on one, and it was taught here, and I remember learning a lot of great information, but sometimes those those programs can become sales pitchy, right? It is, it is how to uh, present the gospel in a good light, to, to make it sound like it's a good thing, to make it sound... Uh, appeasable to make it sound pleasant. Can I say there's nothing more pleasant than Jesus died for you. He paid your sin debt. He loves you and he wants to say, we don't have to dress up the gospel. We just need to tell the gospel. But I remember sitting in one of those classes and it was Brother John Pritt, a great, great soul winner, great man of God, uh, was faithful for years. He was an interesting character, no doubt. Uh, some of you know knew him and got to know him. He passed away, I think, last year. But I remember he was teaching Sunday school here and he had, a, he had a table set up and he was going over some practical things when it, when it came time to go soul winning, how to have uh, a, a better experience of soul winning. And what he taught was definitely beneficial, but it was not essential, right? It was not, in essence, you could not have those things and you're still called to give the gospel and you can do those things and no doubt it's beneficial, but it's not essential. And can I say those things that he taught, I still might try my best to practice when we go out soul winning or when I go out on visitation, when I go out to share the gospel with people. And they're, they're very basic uh, practical things, things like this. Uh, make sure you brush your teeth before you go out. He said, nobody wants to smell your stinky breath while you're trying to talk to them. Then he said, make sure you put smell good on. If you're a lady, put on perfume. If you're a man, put on cologne. He said, make sure you look presentable. 
right? Make sure you iron your clothes, you have nice clothes on, or you know, you are dressed appropriately for the, the, the appointment, all those kind of things. He said, be personal. You know, he said, you're not giving a statistic. You're not, you're not giving a report, so to speak. You are telling people what Jesus has done for you and what he can do for them. And so when we sold, we ought to be personal. He said, also be mindful, know where you are and, and what you're doing. Be respectful to the people. Be respectful uh, to their home and be respectful for their, their time and all those kind of things. And all those things are very beneficial to remember and to, 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 to go through when you go out to tell people about Jesus, but they're not essential. In essence, you, can, you don't have to do all those things first and then go share the gospel because sometimes time and place does not allow those things to happen. There was a man by the name of Richard Wormbrin. He was in the Ukraine, I believe, during the, the control by the Soviet Union. It might have been in Russia, but he was, a, he was a, a Bible preacher, a Christian saved by the grace of God, stood up against the Soviet party and told them they were wrong, would not join their state religion, and so they threw him into prison, beat him every day. He made a, he made a, a deal with the guards that, if, that if, uh, if, if they beat him, he got to preach one message. So every day they would come in and he would earn his sermon. They would beat him as he preached to the other, and then he would get up and with bloody face and, and, and banged up and broken bones, he'd preach to the fellow prisoners there. But there was one night he was sitting in his, his cell, and the cell over to him, he began to hear tapping on the wall. And he began to realize it was Morse code. And the person in the other room was tapping to him, asking him for help, asking him for, for, for guidance. He needed help in his life. He needed help with all that was going on. And Richard Wormbrand didn't go brush his teeth. He didn't put on presentable clothes. But he gave the man the gospel. Ended up leading that man to the Lord through Moore's Code in a Russian prison. And so we know tonight that those things, no doubt, are beneficial. They are they're good things to put into practice. I'd encourage you, if you're going to go share the gospel, you know, make sure you do those things. But they're not essential. <laughs> if you're on the job site and somebody needs help, it ain't time to go home, shower, and come back. Share the gospel with them. Right, because there's a great urgency. We have to realize that there's a great urgency. Time's running out. Our days are, are far spent. The hour's coming that this thing's all going to wrap up. And there's a sense of urgency. But notice here tonight that Jesus is here with his disciples. He's just left the woman at the well. Well, he didn't leave her there. She went off and told everybody about Jesus after her experience. But now he's caught back up with his disciples. He had sent them to go get meat. He had sent them to go into town to find something to eat. And now they've come back. And they're confused because prior to this, the Lord was hungry. He was weary in John chapter number four. And now he seems like he's filled and he's full. And they're trying to figure out who's fed the Lord. But I want you to notice he brings up this idea. We talked about sowing the other night, how uh, the, the truths about sowing. How, and if we, you know, if we sow, we'll reap. But if we don't sow, we'll never reap. But tonight we're going to look at this thought on the other side of that. What, is it, what, what does it mean to be a reaper? Tonight, the Lord gives, I told Brother Jacob I had 12 points. I've only got two tonight. But I'm going to give you two points tonight, two, two actions that, or two commands that the Lord gives us tonight in John chapter number four to help me and you to be effective reapers, right? I don't know how that sounds if you go to work tomorrow and someone calls you, what the preacher preach on? He taught me how to be a reaper, right? Probably not the best month to preach this either, Amen. <laughs> Halloween, preachers preaching about reapers. Amen. I'm not talking about that, the guy with the skeleton face and the scythe. I'm talking about someone who is ready for the harvest. Someone who's prepared to do the work that God has called them to do. 
And so here the Lord is dealing with the truth of reaping, and he gives us two realities here before he gives a command. First of all is that you will reap what you sow. Right? That which we sow, we will reap. The Bible says you sow to the whirlwind, you will reap a whirlwind, but if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap spiritual things. Well, you know that tonight. You'll reap what you sow, but you also may reap where others have sown. That's what he says right there in verse number 38. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered in to their labors. But we see here tonight, if me and you aren't sowing of ourselves and sowing uh, by ourselves, in essence, we're not going to even be concerned about reaping. But sometimes God will let us sow and we won't sow directly or we won't reap directly where we sow, but God will place us somewhere where somebody's already sown and God will let us do the reaping. I'm going to give you two commands tonight to help you be an effective reaper. Notice number one, the first command is look up. Look up, look at verse number 35. Say not ye that there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. That phrase means to raise up. To lift up means to raise up your eyes. At Good News Club, we've got those ups rules. We go over them every week, and none of the kids follow them every week, and we struggle with that, and we fight with them. But one of them is look up. And without fail, whenever I say the first rule is look up, every single one of those kids goes like this. And they look up at the ceiling. And every week I tell them, not the ceiling. It's been the same. It'll stay the same. It has looked the same since we've been in this building. When we say look up, we are saying focus on who is speaking. Focus on who is talking. Focus on who is up here leading the program. And we realize this morning that when you, or this evening, when you and I look up, the Lord isn't saying look up at the sky and look up at the tall buildings and look up at inanimate objects, but rather he is telling us to look up. And that's just, we, it is one who is looking down. It is one who is, who is, who is, they're eyes and their focus is in the wrong place and he's telling them to look up. See the danger of me and you looking down consistently in our life is that we'll become self-absorbed. Right? Because when we're looking down, I don't know about you, when I look down, I see two feet in their mind. I see my problems, I see my issues, I see my shortcomings, I see my failures, I see all that I need, all that I'm lacking, I see all of that stuff in my life, I see all of that when I become absorbed with myself. Think about this, you ever watch that movie and that person's going across that bridge in between two mounds, it's so high up you can't even see the ground and that person is scared of heights and they begin to step across that bridge. What is the guidance given to them? Don't look down. Right, because when you look down, all of a sudden you, they look down and the earth begins to move and all they begin to get scared. And so many times in our Christian life, if we're not careful, we'll live the Christian life, not physically just looking down tonight, but spiritually and in ourselves, we're looking down, we're discouraged, we're downtrodden because all we're looking at is what we have and what we are and what we lack and what we're missing and we become self-absorbed with us. Can I say tonight, I wrote it down somewhere in my notes tonight, that we're not to look down. Why must we look up? Well, look up for encouragement. Look up for encouragement. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. We did that study, I think, sometime last year or before that. We did the study of the hills there in the word of God. And we know tonight that there's always one hill that you and I can look to. We can find strength. We can find help. We can find the reminder that Jesus loves us. And it's a hill called Calvary where Jesus died for us. And can I say tonight, if you're downtrodden, if you're discouraged, it'd probably be some good times tonight just to open up your eyes, look unto heaven, look unto the Lord, look unto Calvary. Calvary and say, thank you, Lord, that you did that for me. He said, look up for encouragement. 
Look up for an explanation. Luke chapter 21, verse number 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up for, and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Because if we're constantly looking down, our problems are bigger than everybody else's. Our problems are unsolvable. Our problems are, are things that the preacher can't help with, my, 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 my family can't help with, my job can't help with, and it's, it's a great problem, it's a great issue. But we need to look up and remember that, that tonight that you and I don't serve the Lord so we'll be problem free. We serve the Lord, we preach the gospel, we share the gospel, we, 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 we give the gospel, we, we witness to people because time is running out. It bothers my heart to think about what these young kids are going to face in the society that they're going to live in. The world's changed at a rapid pace since I was in high school. And not in a good way. <laughs> but thank the Lord, he's given these kids, he's given these children, he's given these teenagers a place where they can come and give thanks unto the Lord. They can learn the word of God. They can be taught the word of God. They can see the word of God in action. They can see God answer prayers. They can see God put families back together. They can see God do a great work. And they can say, well, if God did it when I was eight years old, then I have no need to doubt him now. Thank the Lord for a place and God has allowed us to, to train up the next generation. But look up for an explanation. Be reminded, time's running out. He told those disciples, <laughs> they were so consumed with finding meat. They were so consumed with, with trying to make sure the Lord had enough to eat. <laughs> and Jesus, I mean, they ought to be glad that I'm not the Lord. Because my sarcasm would have came out right there. Eat, I made what you're eating. I'm God, I don't need what you have. And yet the Lord said, hey, don't worry about the meat. I've got meat that you don't know about. My meat is to do the will of the Father that sent me to finish the work. He said, I didn't come to have a full belly. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He told him to look up, lift up your eyes. Quit looking down. Quit living in the parameters of you and your problems. Get your eyes on the Lord this evening. Notice he said, look up, lift up your eyes. Then notice right there in verse number 35, he told them to look out. Look up and then look out. Look at verse number 35. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. <laughs> For they are white already the harvest. John chapter number four, beginning of it, Jesus says, to go find meat. <laughs> and then Jesus went vegan on them. He said, look at them fields out there. And they're saying, no, Lord, we went looking for meat. We went looking for a, a daily need, a daily supply, a, 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 a hunger within ourselves, a physical hunger. And the Lord said, yeah, but look at them fields out there. I mean, I, I can understand. Maybe the disciples don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't click. Why are we looking out on the field? Why are we to look out? That word, look out, that phrase, look, or look onto the fields means to behold. It means to view attentively. It means to contemplate. Then it means this, to learn by observation. To learn by observation. In essence, when the Lord was telling them to look under the fields, he wasn't trying to teach them agricultural needs. They weren't having an FFA meeting right there. He was trying to show them a great spiritual truth. That it ain't time to wait. It's time to reap. It's time to go out to the fields, what we'd call this world. 
where some have sown before us. Boy, I, listen, this evening, I'm a first generation. I'm a first generation Christian. I'm a first generation Baptist. I'm a first generation preacher. I don't have a godly heritage. I don't come from a line of preachers. My daddy wasn't a preacher. My granddaddy wasn't a preacher. I don't come from that tonight. But thanks be to the Lord for what he's allowed me to start tonight and thank the Lord that because of the grace of God, yes, I get to preach the gospel tonight. But can I say tonight, this thing isn't always about having my needs met. It's about looking at the same things the Lord is looking at. Notice this, when we look out, there was a realized, a realigned focus. The disciples have been concerned with the temporal. They have been consumed with meat and finding meat. John opens with the Lord dis displayed weariness. And oftentimes, here's the thing, we too can become weary in well-doing. But the difference is, when we get weary in well-doing, we quit doing well. We give up, we take a break. And I don't know where this philosophy came in. I don't know who started teaching it, how it grabbed hold, any of that kind of stuff tonight. But somewhere along the lines, when we go through trials, we think it's time to back away from the word of God. We think it's time to back away from church attendance. We think it's time to back away from praying. The reality is when hard times come, we ought to increase that stuff. We ought to be in it more and knowing it's our, it's our hope, it's what we have. They were consumed with temporal things. And can I say tonight, personal gratification is never a spiritual response. Doing things so I feel good, and doing things so I feel better about myself is never the spiritual stop, uh, response tonight. You're gonna have to get your eyes off the meat. The temporal things, God promised us he'd take care of us. God promised that I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. He said, I, the, the, the birds have a place to sleep and foxes have dens and God said, I'll take care of you. I'll provide those needs that you have. He's promised to do that tonight and we go, we go become so consumed that we lose our focus. We're focused on the meat instead of the field that is widened to harvest. And here's the thing, when we look out and we look at what the Lord's looking at, do you realize we're looking at the same thing? We're in tune with the Lord, amen? We're in tune with what God is wanting us to do. There was a realigned focus, but notice this, there was a realized urgency. There was a realized urgency. Look at verse number 35. He said, say not ye that, they, that you have yet four months and then come at the harvest. Jesus said, look out there. It's already white to harvest. Uh, <laughs> now, being uh, that my family's from Nebraska, my grandfather grows corn for a living, He's in agriculture. Can I say tonight, I don't even know what they're growing right down the road. I've watched that stuff. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. I thought it was spinach. I don't think it is. It's turning yellow. I don't know what it is. Somebody educate me after the service, amen. <laughs> Not, if it's something real good, I might go pick me something and take it home with me. Amen. <laughs> but I remember reading somewhere, someone telling me that when that, that wheat begins to turn white, it's almost as if it's past time to harvest. In essence, you are getting very close to it being no longer harvest time in ruin time. That it's already, it, you should have already harvested it. It's time is running out. There was a realized urgency. They looked out and said, my goodness, it's time to harvest that. It's time to go reap that before it's too late. And can I say tonight, we like to think that in the Christian's life that Satan's greatest tool, Satan's greatest weapon is things like 
adultery, fornication, and all those things are bad tonight. Alcohol, drugs. I, I'm not saying that this is a, a trade-off. If you do this and you're welcome to go do that, I'm saying we ought to stay away from all of it tonight. But I think in the Christian's life, one of the greatest tools that Satan uses is a word called procrastination. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll write them a letter later. I'll call them when I have more time. I'll go soul winning. I'll go to Wednesday night church when my schedule lets up. Can I say, I think more people have got out over procrastination than they have any of those other things tonight. Just wait. Don't wait. The harvest is already ready. We should already be out there reaping tonight. We should already be out there sharing the gospel. But notice here tonight what you realize when they looked out, yes, they were looking at the same thing the Lord was looking at and they realized the urgency that he was trying to teach them. And I think if we got a grasp of that tonight in our Christian life, the urgency with which we must share the gospel, which we must go and tell somebody about Jesus, when we realize that urgency and how urgent the matter really is, it'll change our attitude towards it. <laughs> For the majority of my Christian life, I thought soul winning was going out and allowing... <laughs> People would talk to you any kind of way and if they got mad at you and they slammed the door in your face, they said mean things to you, if they rejected you, then you got to come into church and brag about it. They treated me wrong. Look at what I've done for the Lord. We go out there with the wrong attitude like, boy, I hope somebody fights me today. I hope somebody argues, I'm ready. I'm loaded up and I'm fixing to let them have it. Right, then the Lord changed my mind. <laughs> Because when it comes time to harvest, I, I ain't never seen a farmer out there yelling at the crops. <laughs> you, you, I don't know how you yell at a crop. <laughs> look at you looking at like corn. Don't you wish you had spinach? I don't know. <laughs> but really the, the reaper, the farmer, the agricultural extraordinaire goes out there and says things like this. Boy, it's ready to time. It's time. It's time. It's time to bring in the sheaves. It's time to harvest. It's time to reap that which has been sown and that which has been invested in. It's time to do what's supposed to be done. Let me change your way of thinking tonight. Because sometimes we go out and share the gospel. I'm not just talking about door-to-door -door visitation. I'm talking about on the job side. I'm talking about within our family members and friends that we have tonight. We have this mentality like they don't want to hear it. And, 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 and they don't, uh, it's, it's a waste of time because they don't want to hear it. We ought to take the mind that Jesus had here and say, they're ready for it. Instead of saying, boy, I'm going to go find people that don't want to hear it, get up tomorrow morning and say, there's somebody that needs to hear it. There's somebody that's ready to hear it. There's somebody that's going to call their friend and say, I need help. There's somebody that come tomorrow, they need to hear the gospel. And they're in your field. And it's white to harvest. If you're not careful, you'll get upset and say, well, nobody wants to hear it and they'll miss their opportunity. Whereas if we get up and say, today, somebody needs to hear it. Jesus gave two real simple commands. How to be a good reaper. Look up and then look out. Let me ask you tonight and we'll pray and we'll be dismissed this evening. When's the last time you looked out? When's the last time you looked out and seen sinners going to hell? seeing families falling apart, seeing relationships shattered, seeing lives destroyed. And you said, I've got the answer for that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, look up tonight and then look out 
and be an effective reaper for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening.